For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hey everybody, it's Joe Trippy, and welcome back to That Trippy Show. This week, two more January 6th committee hearings are in the books. We talk about how they are progressing and what impact they're having on the American people. Also, we check in on a few races around the country. Alex, where do you want to start? I had this thing, as you know, we kind of have a little write-up to start the show, and I think I have to throw it out and say, I think I agree with President Trump. I thought that might be the biggest thing coming out of the week. Maybe I'm nuts. You agree with President Trump? He wants to testify. I say let him. What do you think? You know, it, it'll be a clown, you know, a clown car testifying. I, I don't know. Uh, I, yeah, put him on the stand. He'll probably talk. I mean, look, I've been saying, I said after the first hearing, Trump's fucked. Uh, I don't think uh, anything has changed. In fact, I think... You know, for anybody who uh, watched the hearings today, who uh, still hasn't agreed to uh, say what they know, if you have information, uh, there's a whole tip line now uh, yeah, that the select committee it. put out. Yeah, and I and I, you know, we'll put the tweet in the in the show notes. But you know, I, I think uh, people are going to come out of the woodwork and start changing their tune. That's what that's what I think. And and if, and, and maybe Trump is too. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> So we're recording this. It's Thursday afternoon. It's right after the, the third committee hearing aired. And we, there's still a lot to kind of sift through. But it, it, your point, uh, it, not only is he fucked, but it, it's, it seems like the committee has the goods. That seems pretty accurate. Well, yeah. Well, that's what I thought from the beginning. Uh, they are clearly and, and they're more increasingly using the, you know, Donald Trump illegally did this or he urged Mike Pence, he knew everything he was urging Mike Pence to do was illegal. Cheney started that in the first hearing, but I think it's clear, and it's, I think, clear to more and more Americans that uh, that that's going to end up being the case here. Uh, the question now will be, you know, where, where does that go in ter terms of Justice Department, et cetera, except I think, you know, the momentum here is really building. And I think the, the most important thing I saw, I mean, the, all the stuff that we saw today, uh, if you were watching it, it, was pretty powerful. But I think the most stunning thing was Judge Michael Ludig's. He's a former judge who's considered one of the top conservative legal minds in America, very much re re revered uh, by the Federalist Society and a, a lot of the, the right-wing legal community. I mean, he's considered a Top notch by everybody, but but particularly is revered by the the legal community on the right. And he said today, and I think this is really important for people out there who still think, you know, hey, this was just a, a tourist uh, excursion. Donald Trump, and I'm quoting: Donald Trump and his allies and supporters are a clear and present danger to American democracy. I think that was stunning to come from him. 
And he said, it's not because of what happened on January 6th. It's because to this very day, the former president and his allies and supporters pledge that in a presidential election of 2024, if the former president or his anointed successor as the Republican Party presidential candidate were to lose that election, they would attempt to overturn the 2024 election in the same way that they attempted to overturn the 2020 elections, but succeed in 2024 where they failed in 2020. It's something that we've been saying, this is democracy on the ballot. It hasn't stopped. It's it, The MAGA extreme is not going to turn away. And in a lot of ways, uh, Trump himself is, he unleashed it and he can't put it back in the bottle. And so anyway, I, I, I just thought of all this, I mean, look, just the, the, I think a greater understanding of how close Mike Pence was within 40 feet from the mob as they were evacuating him to a safe, secure uh, location in the basement of the of the Capitol complex. He came within 40 feet of that mob getting him. And, any, and, and it's clear that his life was in danger and that Donald Trump didn't give a damn. In fact, and actively have, was 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 turning the mob on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So where else do you want to go? Well. You know, I thought that Ludwig point was really important because it it wasn't just Donald Trump. It was really clear coming from one of these really respected conservatives who, again, one of these people who chooses their words very carefully. Donald Trump and his allies and supporters are a clear and present danger to American democracy. It it seemed like this was more, yeah, they're going after Trump, but it seemed like the committee is is essentially laying out the case not just for Trump but but trying to make the point to the American people using conservatives that it's 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 not just about fighting about 2020 or even January 6th it's about what's going to happen next which as you know yeah it's well it's it's going and he said you know and, and the judge said uh repeatedly during his testimony that they're they're still doing it and they're doing it in the open just like they did the first time just like Trump did the first time and that they're hell bent on, you know, changing laws, uh, getting you know different election officials uh, elected with Secretary of States uh, and in governor's office that will, you know, will certify losing slates if that's what it takes uh, in 2024. And they didn't have that in 2020. They didn't have that infrastructure that they're building today. And that's why, look, I know people are struggling out there, but. The country, uh, our democracy is is under threat right now. And I think the judge made that made that very clear. And now, you know, again, I I think you're going to see others start wanting to make the case. I I guess Jenny Thomas wants to talk to the committee now, uh, (laughs) which I have no idea how that's going to go. Well, will they even I mean, will even go there? Uh, We'll see. We'll see where 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 the evidence uh, goes there. But it's clear that Eastman had direct contact with somebody who knew what was going on with the Supreme Court and the arguments that were taking place at the time. Uh, Jenny Thomas seems like a a, a, a ripe uh, potential source uh, to that, whether whether but whether that would come out, whether she would say any of that in, in front of the committee. I, I, I've got I've got deep questions about that, but we'll see. So we'll get to more polling because there's a good morning console poll that came out we should talk about. But one thing you and I have seen in in some of the work we've been doing this year is 
and, and this gets to how the committee is framing their argument, voters are sick of kind of relitigating the big lie, so to speak, with within the bubble of just 2020. They care way more about what it means for the next election and the next election after that. It's it, the more forward looking we on our side can make these arguments, the better off we are with the electorate. And I think the committee is knows that and is doing a good job of of, of, of framing the, both the testimony of these people, but also the focus of each of these hearings in, in that light. Well, the other thing I think is the, is that they're putting the entire everything in context, the run up to January 6th, what happened on January 6th. What's happened post January sixth? We're we're still after the insurrection, after the violence, after taking the Capitol by storm. Uh, Eastman is still at the midnight hour, pushing for Pence to one more time, making one more run at you know, can you please send it back to the states? I mean, a lot of this, it, it, which which I think sets up the argument that it hasn't stopped and and that they're doing this, they're still pursuing it and doing it out in the open. And that is the future. The future is a 2024 presidential election in which they will have had two more years to to put the infrastructure in place, election boards, secretaries of state and and, uh, uh, governors that they hope to elect to do their bidding. And thank God that there were enough Republican secretary of states and and legislatures that wouldn't go along with with this the first time around, but they've been purging a lot of those people. And Trump is still out there, you know, endorsing mega extremists over, I guess, what he would call rhinos, people like Mike Pence and others that that did their duty uh, and saved the country. And I, I still think that's the other thing I think they've made clear today was how close we actually came, which I think everybody with a lot of that, the confusion of the disinformation that Trump was putting out there was, I think there were a lot of people who may be Trump supporters and sort of bought into, ah, this is a bunch of to do about nothing. I think the veracity that where Mike Pence held up and maintained over and over again that he knew what he's, his duty was and he was going to do it even, even when his chief of staff, Short, is contacting the Secret Service uh, the day before and, and telling him he's concerned about the vice president's safety because they believe the president is going to stoke an, an attack on on the vice president himself. I mean, it's very clear, I think, what the threat was and how close they came to pulling it off. So there was a good quote. This was kind of buried today, but there was a good quote from uh, one of the former Trump White House attorneys, uh, Eric Hirschman, uh, who he was in direct contact with Eastman. And Eastman told him he was basically willing to accept any kind of violence. And the the video from his deposition was really strong. I think Hirschman said something like, your strategy is going to cause, quote, riots in the streets, unquote. And his response, Eastman's response was, quote, there's been violence in the history of our country in order to protect the democracy or protect the republic. He said it. it it's, yeah, there's a. Yeah. So what? There's going to be violence. There'll be violence in the streets. We can deal with that. Uh Okay, yeah. I mean, as as several people said, including Bill Barr, who called it crazy, you know, bogus, bullshit, insane, yeah. bullshit. There were a whole host of people. It's now clear who were telling Eastman, the president, 
uh, and anybody they could around him that this was illegal, crazy, and would never fly and would cause, as, as the judge said, literally we would have a, a revolution inside of a constitutional crisis and it would have been in the streets. Uh, as it clearly was on January 6th, uh, that would have just continued. Uh, uh, anyway, I, I just think, look, they, they, they're making the case. I think uh, it's clear now that the DO, DOJ is asking for transcripts and documents of everything from the committee. That's got to be the big thing. And I, we buried that 25 minutes into the pod, but the DOJ is looking for evidence off of this. We should yeah, not look. Well, we should... We should Big flashing lights. I'm doing it with my hands, and obviously this is a visual medium, but you get the idea. But no, but, Gar- but Garland has said, and I, I still think uh, we do not know uh, how far they, you know, how far they've probably already gotten into all this. You know, they're going to follow it wherever it goes and hold people accountable. And I think the committee has laid out, I think, two things. One, a lot of evidence that we, the American people, didn't clearly understand or know. Uh, and perhaps DOJ already does and did know all this stuff. Uh, but second of all, I think they're laying the predicate where enough Americans would accept a, a DOJ action. In other words, where if enough Americans become convinced, and I think there's signs in polling, and we'll get into that in a minute, that they already are getting there, then when in an, if an indictment does come down, and well over a majority are already sort of there thinking that this this was an attack on democracy itself and, and the president and those close to him must be held accountable, that that gives, that kind of opens up, it lays the ground for the DOJ to take that kind of action. They, I, I flip it the other way. If 70% of the American people were saying, oh, January 6th was two years ago, it's a bunch of bull. There's nothing illegal here, uh, nothing to see here. If it was 70, 75 percent of the people, how could DOJ? I mean, it would just it would almost be the opposite. It'd be another January 6th where, you know, know, only 25 percent of the people would support the action. There'd be a lot, you know, probably could ignite violence and, and, and a lot of other things. I think the committee is effectively laying the groundwork and convincing enough Americans that something needs to be done, that action needs to be taken. So that and that, I think, frees up DOJ and Garland to, in, in a way, maybe they would do it anyway. I mean, because, hey, it's illegal and we're going to do something about it. But I think this, this sort of paves the way for them to do it uh, if, if, there's, if the evidence is there. And I don't know how many people, how much you can watch this and not think there's a hell of a lot of evidence there that the the president and a lot of the people around him were not only off their rocker, but willing to do anything, including unconstitutional, forget just illegal, but unconstitutional action to not have a peaceful transfer of power and and claim the presidency for a second term. And who knows after that how, how many other terms. I, I saw Reed, our friend Reed Galen tweeted this earlier. Uh, this will probably be the most boring hearing, but legally the most important, showing the lawyers told Trump and everybody else that there was no constitutional basis for these challenges or for Pence's ability to alter the outcome. So it gets to your point. Joe, I do want to get... Well, he, he, also, he also did that. I think that came before the hearing. 
And I, look, I think it, it, you know, I don't know about boring. I think the judge clearly, I, I think, had a lot of angst about what he was saying, but needed to be said. But mm-hmm. I think it was riveting. I don't know that it was uh, uh, boring at all. And, and particularly once you got to Pence uh, avoiding the mop by 40 feet and refusing to get in the car because he didn't, he, he you know, yeah, I trust the head of my detail, but he told him, you're not going to be the guy behind the wheel if I get in that car and I'm not leaving the Capitol. It's, it was pretty stunning. I mean, we knew all, a lot of this stuff is stuff that dripped out over the last two years, but I think the way they've presented it, the sequence they've presented it in, the context they've provided, and the new evidence of Eastman's emails and, and uh, conversations. Um, and then I think the president, you know, calling Pence in the from the Oval Office with his family there and basically saying, you're a wimp and a pussy for not doing this. And still then, after the he, he urged the, the mob to go up to Capitol Hill, you know, basically tweeting attack after attack on Pence for all intent and purposes saying, go get him. I mean, it's, it's one of the uh, White House uh, aides said uh, when they saw the tweet, uh, it was they, they thought the president was doing nothing but pouring gasoline on the fire. Uh, mm-hmm. And when you hear that from from someone in, you know, who is serving the president in the White House, who is sitting there hoping after urging him to tweet something that would calm everybody's nerves and, and, and pull the crowd away. Uh, they were sitting there and they see uh, the, the notification of a tweet. They they look down, hoping that's what it is. And instead, it's, you know, Mike Pence has betrayed us, you know, and, and essentially you could the other thing then was immediately showing the reaction from the crowd who were all hanging on their phones uh, and screaming that Pence has betrayed America and started to chant, hang Mike Pence. And then 40, 40 feet away, uh, the Secret Service is moving him and just barely got out of there in time. So I want to get to what you think. You mentioned some polls earlier. I want to get to what you think these hearings, what, what effect do you think these hearings are having on the American people? And I want to just point out, uh, David Rothkopf had a good piece in the Daily Beast talking about why he's optimistic for democracy, uh, basically saying that you know the, the pillars of democracy aren't falling apart and, and the, the, these hearings are reinforcing his belief. What did you see, Joe, from from some of these new polls that, that either made you optimistic or, or gave you some insight into the effect it's having on, on America? Well, it's what I said. I mean, you look at the new Politico uh, Morning Consult poll, uh, where a majority of voters said they think the Justice Department should bring legal action against elected officials who attempted to overturn the results of an election. And 67 percent said yes. Only 21 percent said no. By that's the way, a this big is only, majority. Right. And that's only two or three hearings in. Right. Uh, we've got a long way to go. And that's what I'm saying in terms of they're making a case and when you get to like 60% of the American people are saying, yes, DOJ, if someone, you know, you should take legal action uh, against elected officials who attempted to overturn the results of an election. And, and the entire case they're making is that's exactly what Donald Trump tried to do. I think that is one of the reasons that you're going to see some people who have avoided the committee maybe go to that tip line and start, you know, talking a little bit and make this even tougher. But the 
the broad support uh, about bringing charges is pretty is growing. You know, and, and you got we're up to you know fifty seven percent say Trump was either very or somewhat responsible for January six. Of course, these polls are before today, before this hearing, which I think was one of the more powerful ones in terms of at least getting to the illegality and the unconstitutionality of what Trump was trying to do and the persistence of it and his active role in it. So uh, I think you know, you know, and you're getting even to big numbers, thirty two percent. Of voters are now saying that uh, this would have a major impact on how they voted. 18% said some impact, so that's 50%. Uh, not quite, you hope that that, that you know, that more Americans will, will get what this is about and listen to what Judge uh, Ludic said. And when asked uh, about how much of the hearings they've watched, you know, 14% said, said they watched the, the primetime hearing in full. 25% said they've watch some and 60% said they didn't watch any of it, which I think again goes back to what we've been saying. It's up to all of us to, um, through social media, emails and other things to, to really like to why I retweeted the judge's quote about the clear and present danger to the, to the, our democracy. I think a lot of people hopefully will be getting some of this, these messaging, you know, messages because the union and others, are out there. Uh, and by the way, if you haven't joined the union, join the union.us, go there and do that uh, and be part of actively spreading the truth mm-hmm. because Trump's going to be out there pretty quick and it already is. And I'm sure that's one, one of the reasons he wants to, one of the reasons he probably wants to testify in the uh, in front of the committee is because he, he thinks it would be great for ratings and he would get bigger ratings than they've gotten. I mean, that's literally how whacked out he is right yeah. now in terms of how he's thinking. So the, before we move on, and I, I want to get to a couple races around the country, but one thing, and I, you said it, I think basically two thirds, 67% of voters think the Justice Department should take bring legal action. Yeah, That 67% before people just say, oh, that's mostly Democrats. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like it's like 86% of Democrats, but it's 64% of independents and crucially half of Republicans, which yeah. this is not some partisan, you know, rabbit hole anymore. It's it's it, whatever they're doing. And, and this goes back to having Liz Cheney be a one of the principal voices on the committee they whatever they're doing is clearly baking in and working with the people that this really needs to work with. Yeah, it's getting there. Uh, again, I think uh, you, when you look at those numbers, it's hard it, when you match those numbers up with the numbers I just talked about. You know, only fourteen percent watched prime time, twenty five percent have watched some of the hearings. You know, uh, a large number, uh, sixty you know percent or so uh, say they haven't watched any of it. Well. For a whole bunch of people who haven't watched any of it, <laughs> two thirds now want to say it's okay. We should take action against officials who attempted to overturn the elections. And as you point out, it's you know so you would assume that a lot of Republicans aren't watching any of it. They're not watching it on Fox, or they watch some of it on Fox News when Fox covers it. But somehow, fifty percent of Republicans are getting the message and agreeing that. DOJ should take action. Right. So I just don't think that the stories, uh, this is going really a, a good one for those threatening democracy. Uh, and again, we're just in the early days of the hearings. And, and so 
Uh, and again, even the numbers we just talked about, the, the 50% of Republicans, 64% of independents, 86% of Democrats, those numbers were prior to today's explosive hearing. Uh, uh, you know, so I think, you know, the coverage tonight, you can't, I, I do think, you know, part of this, you know, did you watch the hearings? Uh, you know, okay, but how many people are watching ABC, CBS, NBC, evening news, or they're even their local news? I mean, I, even, you know, you, I've watched some of the local stations where I'm at, and they're they're covering some of the, you know, they're, they're going to have Judge Ludic's quote, I'm sure, a lot of them right. talking about the clear and present danger. So there's other ways, and including the social media and things that we that all we can all do to make sure that we're reaching out uh, again to maybe Republicans we haven't talked to in a while or or even Trump supporters to make sure that we're getting this information in front of them. And somehow, you know, that's the whole thing. When, you know, we got to break the Fox bubble. And I think some of that's already happening. I mean, Fox can't keep running commercial free Tucker Carlson for hours. So they watch them. They might. Yeah. Well, no, but they can, but you know, they're basically just doing that. So you don't change the channel. Well, we got to get people to change the channel. So a majority of Americans support legal action against elected officials who are essentially supporting the big lie. This matters because so far, I think at this count, the Washington Post is doing a tally. Uh, over a hundred primary winners so far this cycle back the big lie pretty stridently too. So looking at other races, Joe, you've consistently said the Republicans are nominating a bunch of loons, but are we just being a bunch of Debbie Downers by thinking that that this thing is cooked already and Democrats are in trouble? Give us some yeah, hope here. Yeah, no, no, no. I think that's, uh, 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 I've been saying this from the beginning. I believe that we're going to pick up seats in the Senate and I think we will hold the House. Uh, and it, it's just, it's because of all this. It's because of, of the, the things I've said, you know, redistricting, it wasn't great for Democrats, but it wasn't what the Republicans were hoping for. You know, you've got, they, they've already got a hundred primary winners who backed the big lie. You have, Judge Ludick saying anybody who does that stuff is a threat to American democracy. 67, you know, nearly uh, uh, 60% of the American people say, hey, yeah, DOJ, go for it. These are all things that I think are building. But more importantly, you know, everybody, they are, uh, there is no, as my friend Simon Rosenberg uh, tweeted, and maybe we put the tweet in in the links, uh, show notes too, but, you know, he, he today listed the latest Senate polls at 538. He today listed the latest Senate polls at 538. It's pretty intriguing. In Pennsylvania, Fetterman is leading Oz 46 to 37. In North Carolina, Beasley is ahead of Bud 44 to 40. In Georgia, Warnock is in a 47-47 tie with Walker. In Colorado, Bennett's up by 13. In Utah, Mike Lee, sitting senator, is at 41. And McMullen, who's running as an independent, the Democrats didn't put anybody up against in this race. And that's smart because McMullen's at 37. So he's four points behind a sitting U.S. senator who's sitting at 41, not anywhere near 50. In Ohio, Ryan is ahead of Fant's of J.D. Vance, 44 to 41. In Washington State, 
Murray, Patty Murray's had 5140 over Smiley. And in Nevada, Cortez Mastro is 48 to 27 over Laxalt. And as my good friend Simon Rosenberg said, no red wave to be found here. And I continue to say that if you think some of these nominees like Oz and Herschel Walker, you know, are are off the chart and Laxalt, who's still a big, you know, Donald Trump won the election. Yeah, he led the way. He was he was the guy in Wisconsin, or in Wisconsin in Nevada. If you think these people are, uh, you know, first of all, we know these names: Laxalt, you know, Oz, uh, Walker, Vance. Herschel Walker, yeah. Vance. Yeah, we know them all because that's where the media is focused a lot, and where a lot of the pundits and talking heads, including us, talk about, including governors' races, Mastriano in Pennsylvania. Wait until you start to see when everybody actually focuses on the choice people are gonna have in house races, where you've got QAnon supporters who are the nominees of the, you know, the, the, the MAGA extreme have made them nominees um, of the Republican party in these house races. Um, and I think that's this whole thing. I think people keep thinking about this election as a referendum on, on Biden. Certainly people are gonna be upset about inflation and how tough things are right now. and and his uh, approval numbers are really low. But it's interesting, his approval numbers do not seem to be impacting these the Senate races I just talked to you about. Why? Because I think all these races are going to be a choice in the district or in the state between mag extremes, uh, people who want to, who still don't want to count the votes from 2020 and want to Make sure that Trump is Trump votes are counted, you know, are, are, are faked and uh, and certified in 2024, uh, and who have offered no nothing except you know crazy talk in these campaigns against Democrats and in Utah, uh, an independent who are more interested in trying to do something about inflation, do something to bring uh, prices down not create fear and divisiveness, but try uh, to get things done for the American people, which is what Biden's been trying to do uh, under tremendously tough con uh, situations and crises, uh, multiple uh, that he's had to face. But I do think in the end that this election is going to be a choice in each, each of these races are going to present a very clear choice between who the Republicans and the MAGA extremes put up versus Democrats and, again, in Utah, an independent who are defending democracy and trying to do whatever's in their power to, to lower prices and, and help people through the economic pain that we're all suffering. And I think in the end, Democrats will come on top in a number of these Senate races. And I think we have a, I think we have a much better chance of holding the House uh, and I've been saying this for months. I also was one of the few people out there saying that, you know, Joe Biden would be not only be the nominee, but but defeat Trump when everybody else said, you know, he was his best day would be the day he got in. I think the the, the key here is to keep our eye on the prize and help candidates in this in these races make that contrast and that choice. And that's why I think the Lincoln Project, you know, being able to make the case against the mega extremists, create wedges where they exist. There's certainly one happening in Utah right now. 
is that McMillan's, McMullen, excuse me, has to be getting a number of uh, Republicans, uh, not just Democrats and independents, but, uh, you know, to be in a 4137 against Mike Lee, that shows you that I think there is a divide right now. And maybe it's that 50-50 thing that we're seeing with 50% of Republicans think that their DOJ should take action and 50% do not or, you know, don't, you know, aren't, aren't convinced. It's, it, you know, maybe that split is, will continue to grow uh, and we'll see. But I, I feel, I, I felt pretty confident from the beginning in the face of a lot of naysayers out there. Uh, but we got to fight for it. We have to like, look, they're, they are going to do everything they can from shutting down polls, count, you know, not counting votes, you know, all that stuff. We've got to, we have to uh, do all that work, getting people out, making the contrast clear, making the choice clear. And the, you know, this is about whether democracy as we know it continues in this country. And I think the American people in the end, enough of them will break away from Trumpism and the mega extremists. And, and yeah, uh, some of them may only vote for a Democrat in their district this one time in hopes that, you know, eventually the Republican Party will be, you know, will, will rid itself of this cancer. But, you know, that that's a fight that we will keep making after after Election Day 2022. Right. Well, Joe, that is all the time we've got today. Thanks, Alex. And thanks, everyone, for listening to That Trippy Show. We'll be back next week. And of course, please subscribe to That Trippy Show. Leave a review on Apple or wherever you listen. You can always send us a question that... Alex never or doesn't really ever get to, uh, to that trippy show at gmail.com or leave us a question and a review on iTunes. I, maybe we just do a show where we just answer questions, but we'll see. But w- please do leave a review and any questions you have, and we'll try to get to them. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.